1: Now, from Learfield... Pistols firing! Touchdown, Oklahoma State! This is the Oklahoma State Cowboy Insider. Here is your host, Dave Hunziker. This is another edition of the Cowboy Radio Network Insider. It's a sort of a doubleheader, if you will. We'll start with Robert Allen talking football. We'll end with Brendan Manzer talking basketball. And Robert's on the line with us now. We haven't had a chance to talk. We were guessing Orlando... Most likely last week, and thinking good chance it would be Notre Dame. We were right on Orlando, but wrong on Notre Dame because Virginia Tech's the opponent. But when you look at Virginia Tech's yeah, numbers, but hey, hey, yeah.
2: asterisk, asterisk, yeah, where is Notre Dame going? <laughs> Orlando,
1: you're right. good point. <laughs> so it's just not our. Opponent. We get an asterisk.
2: So instead of batting five hundred, I'm going to call us seven or
1: seven fifty. Hey, it's all numbers. <laughs> whatever you, whatever PR work you want to do, go for it. The numbers are the numbers are interesting this way though in that, you know, Virginia Tech's defensive numbers. I mean, gosh, top twenty in the country in just about every category, and we know what Oklahoma State can do on offense. So even for somebody that just likes to crunch numbers, you know, matching those two against each other is pretty intriguing. I think I think that in and of itself makes it really interesting.
2: You know, it's it's um, it's going to be a really good matchup in that. Uh, Virginia Tech is very good defensively, and I've already looked at some tape. Um, I guarantee the game, and, and I'm only only watched it one time, and I won't watch it again because it has no bearing on this game. But they lost to Georgia Tech against option, and I guarantee you Bud Foster they gave up a lot of run yards. And I guarantee you defensive coordinators when they see their defense give up, you know, uh, lots of yards against option. You know, triple option—it just ticks them off. That's you know the the words you hear: discipline and assignment, football, and and you know defense is kind of based on that. So, but he won't have to worry about that. They're actually better in the pass. They're pretty good pass defense. They're really good at pass rush. Um, not necessarily sack totals, but they they seem to put pressure on the quarterback pretty well, and um, and they've got good athletes on the back end uh they play a defense similar to Oklahoma state the star is called the whip he's a he's a you know glorified safety physical safety that plays down uh and bud Foster's such a smart guy oh, and yeah. then you've got OSU's offense which is you know berserker they probably haven't seen anything close to it it'll be a tough you know prep, uh, prep for them and then on the other side you know, virginia tech they's got a, a young quarterback getting better He's got talent, kind of a, you know, dual threat kid. But, you know, made mistakes. They had a tough November, and um, OSU defense had a equally tough November. Tough November, yeah. So it, it looks fair. It looks like a real fair matchup, both sides of the ball.
1: Well, and one thing about Virginia Tech that has been a part of their history forever, even dating back to the early days, and for them, when I say early days of great success, I'm talking early, mid-90s and frank beamer in his heyday when they got rolling you know one of the things they did very well is block kicks and be really good yeah. in the special teams but especially blocking kicks and i think they lead the nation in block kicks so it's the same old same old in that area
2: yeah and you know what if this had been a year ago we'd have been a pretty good match for them in there but uh the cowboys have not had the success blocking kicks that they had a year ago with Mr. Taylor, although he's doing a pretty good job with it. He's done a couple of those in Miami. So
1: yeah, Gives you a feel for how special and gifted he is in that area. I want to change gears with you, though. We have an early signing period now in college football that happens just before Christmas. How does that impact Oklahoma State, do you think?
2: Well, you better be pretty good on your time management, because now your head coach has to get out and see guys. If you've had a You know, and Oklahoma State's got 20 commits. Um, This being an institutional radio network prohibits me from saying names and things like that, uh, which I wish I could. There's some things to get excited about. But Mike Gundy's got to make time to get out and see those guys. The coaches have to make time to get out and see those guys. They've got two big visit weekends, one this weekend and one next weekend. Uh, The good thing is those kids are going to get to come in and, See, practices. I mean, yeah, it had you know, usually the big visit weekend in the past, Dave, has been in January. So those those kids come in and, you know, and they there's nothing going on in January. Everything's over. They might go to a basketball game and they'll go to a good basketball game this this Saturday that you and, and Brendan will talk about, the, the Wichita State game. But before they go to it, they'll watch the Cowboys practice and they'll watch them practice on Friday. So that's, that's kind of the bonus. But time management, if you, think you, if you think a college coach has it rough as far as his schedule in the past, now he's prepping for a bowl game, which means he's in there watching tape and putting together plans. Uh, he's recruiting. He's getting on the road and seeing these kids at least once a week, probably calling them all once a day, and then might try and find some time to buy his wife and kids some Christmas presents. Or he'll be in Dutch at home. So yeah, they got a they got a tough time now in December. It's it, it's a lot busier.
1: It's better though for Oklahoma State, isn't it? Because it seems to me I I'd, I'd almost compare what happens in recruiting a little bit to like a buzzard, in that a lot of schools sort of circle around Oklahoma State in terms of who the Cowboys are recruiting, and then try to swoop in at the last minute and 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 kind of steal guys away. This will help in that regard, will it not? Because if those schools are going to do that, they'll have to do it sooner, and they may not be perhaps in the position uh, to pull that off as easily. Do you you think that's true or not so much?
2: No, no. You, you, hit the, you hit the nail on the head here, and here's why, and you know as well as I did. This staff does a good job of evaluating and working ahead. They have really good camps. They have been an originator in getting out to satellite camps, which have been restricted, but they still have found ways to get out there and do it. Um the coaching staff always has been looking ahead when they're there recruiting a kid for that class. They're always asking the coach and, and watching teams and kids work out and looking for kids in the next class and the class after that. So because they work ahead, they work, they work fast. They had 20 commits. God, they had 20 commits in August. About the time fall camp broke and the season started, they were already in pretty good shape. Um, it rewards the, the the organized schools that work quickly, and Oklahoma State does, did, uh, did, and does. Uh, the other thing it does, you've seen this in the past. Um, in Alabama, I, I name Alabama because Nick Saban is notorious for this. Um, some of the schools, even in this conference, uh, in the past, Texas, although Tom Herman is more of the Oklahoma State variety now. He worked very quick this year, uh, has got a big class already committed. Uh, Oklahoma has been notorious for it, although I give Lincoln Riley credit. I think he's working quicker uh, and has his staff working quicker. But it's called I call it poaching. You call a buzzard, same thing. Um, now you sign these guys in December, and January used to be the month to poach and those you know unless a guy doesn't sign and if a guy doesn't sign he's committed to you guess what go Let find go. another one cuz yeah. yeah he's not committed so uh yeah i think it i think it really play, uh, pay, plays in uh, oklahoma state's favor and once those guys are signed you know now you can uh, you can go finish whatever you have to finish in january and you work even harder on working ahead for 2019
1: you know, one final question for you, Robert, regarding the bowl game. So, I'm just going to mm-hmm. I'm just going to put this out there because it's on my mind. Not that I think mm-hmm. it's an issue per se, but it's just something that is a little bit of an interesting dynamic. In this bowl game, you have Mason Rudolph, James Washington in particular, perhaps even Marcel Aitman, playing their last games before they will head off to the NFL, maybe as very right. high draft choices and perhaps making a whole lot of money. They've got right. one game they got one game to go. And then right. for all intents and purposes, it's theirs. And I say that financially as much as anything. How do you manage that as a head coach? I mean I I haven't asked Coach Gundy that question. I will at some point. It may not be on the air, it may be off. But what do you think about that? Not that those guys are trying to let you down, but it's human nature. I mean, I put myself in that position. <laughs> I'm a mental midget, so I'm a little different than those guys. But you just like you're just thinking, you know what, I'm almost there. Well, how do you manage that? Do you have any ideas? <laughs> yeah, dude, you're gonna hate me. <laughs> no, I don't hate you for anything. What's what's Coach what's Coach Gundy's
2: favorite word these days? Oh boy, starts with a C, ends with a, your
1: huh? Character.
2: Well, character, but culture.
1: He is culture. Just yes,
2: hammered the word.
1: culture. Oh yes, 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 yes. I should have guessed that. That's I flunk. Anyway.
2: And, and, and you know what? That's what I think takes care of it. I think the culture, and he'll say this, I'm pretty sure, the culture they've created with the allegiance to themselves and, and each other. Mm-hmm. That's the culture he builds more than anything. He, he didn't, you know, uh, it's right there. When you walk out on a field, the last thing the players see in the locker room is a big mural with one player holding the shoulder of another. And it says, play for the man next to you. And it's a big part of this culture. And so, you know, I, I love the answer. That yesterday, James Washington was asked at the um, media day for the College Football Awards. And let's let's all hope by the time you hear this podcast or just before you or just after you hear the podcast, he's the new Fred, uh, Fred Blitnikoff Award winner because I certainly think he deserves it. But he was asked in Atlanta, what do you do before a game to get ready? What's the last thing you do? Thinking he'd... Say when well, I play this song on my, you know, on my iPod or my phone or whatever, or listen to it, or you know, or I say, uh, you know, a prayer and, and think of my mom and dad or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. You know what he said? He said I get together with Marcel Aitman, and we look at each other and tell it, you know, we tell each other what we're going to do in the game, and then we support each other. You know, like he'll say, you know, what do you think I'm going to do, James? And he'll say, I think you're going to catch over a hundred yards of passes. I think you're going to catch two or three touchdowns. And, you know, and he'll say, what do you think I'm going to do? Say, I think you're going to catch, you know, 200 yards in passes. And I think you're going to catch 12 balls today. And, and you know, I mean, and, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. Two guys pushing each other up before they go out to the field. And that's that's the culture that they've created. So while, and, and, I, and I, you know, Texas is not a Learfield property, and whether are IMG, so what the heck. While Texas has got guys ditching left and right, saying, well, I'm not going to play in the bowl. I'm going to the NFL draft, or I'm going to transfer, so I'm not playing in the bowl game. And Tom Herman, God, looks to me like he's got to hope he can field a team. Mm-hmm. You don't hear any of that in Stillwater. You don't hear any of that from Oklahoma State. You know, there are guys that have got a ton to lose. Mason Rudolph, yes. he, he, he doesn't need to get hurt. James Washington, I mean, these seniors, Marcel Aitman, guys, Uh, Brad Lundblade, Zach Crabtree, you know, but you know what? That's not what goes through their head. What goes through their head, and I think NFL scouts deep down and NFL personnel people have got to like this. What goes through their head is, "I I need to go play the best I can for my guys. And the underclassmen say, you know what? I'm going to be a senior like those guys someday. I need to go out there and bust my tail so they walk out of here with a win the last time they put on the uniform, and, and a lot of people say, "Oh, Robert, you're just cheesy. You know, you're just you're just saying this stuff. It's a bunch of malarkey." Dave, you've been around them. It's really not. Yep.
1: Yeah, they, it's they, not. They
2: truly play for the man next to them, and so that's that's why I think that takes care of it more than anything. A lot of personal pride too. A guy like a James Washington and. Marcel Aitman, and Mason Rudolph, and Ramon Richards. I'm going to mention some of these defensive guys because they don't get much love. Chad Whitener, how much personal pride do they have in their performance?
1: A lot. Yeah.
2: So that that's where I think it comes from as much as anything.
1: No, I'm glad you answered the question because uh, I thought I knew the answer, but I wanted to hear it from you. That's sort of what I've been thinking, but it's human nature to think that way. And if you're a fan, it's human nature. I think to be curious about that because, hey, it's uh, – it's just part of it, and you see it other places, and, of course, you wonder about how it impacts things here. So I, I tend to agree with you no. as far as that's concerned. Well, you're cooking things for Christmas parties, so we'll let you go. The smoked macaroni well, and cheese Coach is in Gundy, great demand. If, if
2: Coach Gundy gives you a completely different answer, then I flunk.
1: <laughs> no, he won't, because I think you're on the money. Bring us some of that um, smoked mac, will you? you have any?
2: You know what? Let me tell you something. My... my, my Wives co workers like it so much they get into the refrigerator after later in the day and they eat it cold. When you'll eat wow. cold mac and cheese, it's probably pretty good mac
1: and cheese. That's pretty strong. I pulled out an <laughs> I old thought uh, it was. I pulled out an old foldy but goody the other night, my chicken tetrazini, which I was pretty pleased oh. with. It was
2: good. I love chicken tetrazzini. You I have get- a
1: great – we need to just, like, cook. have a big cooking deal. We'll just cook for people. Uh, maybe somebody will actually eat my chili again, which is really good, but now nobody in my house wants to eat it anymore. It's when you have all girls is what happens. You know, Chili's they get,
2: not a biggie for the girls. I, I no, understand that.
1: Used to be, but now they're too old and they just don't want to do it. So maybe we'll just – hey, we'll just talk to people on the podcast, say, come eat. We'll make a bunch of food you and they poker. eat until it you runs play out. play
2: poker. We need a poker night at Hunziker's. <laughs> Ooh,
1: you know better yet we could even have big pool shooting night. We so got go. the pool table that hardly gets used anymore for the same reason. We need to yeah. bust the bust that thing out. Yeah, we're onto something. So when we we finish the football season maybe we'll do that. And maybe we'll have a cook-off next year and just invite fans to come eat with us for a game if we have time. There you go. All right. Well, let you cook. All right, Good tell, stuff. I appreciate you. hello. I'll do it. See, you, man. All right. See ya. That's Robert Allen with us on the Cowboy Radio Network Insider, and we'll continue with Brendan Manzer momentarily. As promised, see, you only had to wait for, like, a heartbeat. That's the magic of podcasting. We just jump from one thing right into the other. Just talk football with Robert Allen. Now we talk Oklahoma State and Big 12 basketball with Big 12 basketball analyst Brendan Manzer, who works not only for the Cowboy Television Network, but for ESPN and the family of ESPN Networks. So you've got to watch and call. You've been able to call most of Oklahoma State's games up to this point. You've seen all the games, obviously. What do you like most about what's happened the first eight games in OSU 7-1 and one start?
3: Well, I think the ability or the uh, uh, commitment to try and share the basketball. You know, it's, uh, I think it's been evident that Mike Boynton's trying to implement that. The ball has moved really well at times. They've had a couple of games, Dave, as you well know, where they've had a lot of assists on their mates. And um, I think the challenge for them and any team, as you play tougher defensive teams night in, night out, which certainly happens in the the Big 12, um, are are you going to continue to be able to do that? Because it is more difficult get the ball moving, and uh, get in some flow, some offense. I think that, and, and typically teams that are committed to that, and I think there's a sincere effort for it, uh, typically those teams are unselfish in nature. So hopefully um, that continues to be the case, and, and that bleeds into other areas, uh, like on the defensive end.
1: You know, the reality is, and I think we have to be honest about this, is the Cowboys are off to a 7-1 and one start, but they have basically beaten the teams they were supposed to beat, All of their wins have come roughly against teams below 150 in the Ken Palm Power Ratings. Now that goes away. They will face only one team below 150 the entire rest of the season. That's Rio Grande Valley just before Christmas. Now you're facing a top-ten team in Wichita State. After finals a week from Saturday, you'll face a Florida State team that's off to a great start and really put a whipping on Florida on the road earlier this week. So is it reasonable to say, are we oversimplifying things to say that after these next two games, Wichita State in Stillwater and Florida State on a neutral court in Sunrise, Florida, we'll have a pretty good idea about where this team stands. Is that is that making things too simple or no?
3: No, I, I think that, that uh, that's what non-conference is for. And uh, you know, I, I think you saw that when the Cowboys went to New York uh, just a couple of weeks ago and And played Texas A&M, who has top ten talent for sure. And you were there in person. A lot of big bodies, athletic guys that can shoot, some toughness. And so um, it's it's not just you know those of of us that follow it to see where they are, but as players, um, you can see where you are because coaches can preach things in practice and tell you stuff, sometimes things that you don't necessarily want to hear, but until you go through against a really good competition, uh, you don't get exposed or at least challenged on some of your weaknesses. So I don't think without question, you know, I think the A&M trip and then the, the next game the following day against Pittsburgh where they had this short turnaround, and that was a difficult couple of days. And so now you've got uh, Wichita State and then a stretch in between of uh, practices and reflection on good and bad, what might happen with Oklahoma State Saturday. So it, it's, it's more important for the players to see where they are. And as, as my former coach, Eddie Sutton, would say, uh, after a performance, we'd watch a lot of film. Film doesn't lie. So uh, good or <laughs> bad, the Cowboy team will know where they are. And uh, it's an important stretch because Big 12 conference season now begins um, in uh, late December. And once again, the Cowboys will open up with West Virginia, um, and that's when it really means the most, conference play.
1: Last year you could make a compelling argument that Oklahoma State's best performance came at Wichita State, that cold, nasty December Saturday night when it was snowing and icing and blowing and everything else you can imagine outside, but inside the Cowboys were smoking hot, made 14 threes and shot 52% from the field, and won the game 93-76, and the game wasn't even that close. They were up by as many as 25. They went in and just pounded the Wheat Shockers, uh, not in their home building, but in the city of Wichita downtown. So we all know how good Greg Marshall has been as a head coach, not only at Wichita, but also at Winthrop. How much, from what you know of Greg Marshall, and the fact that they start four seniors and have a roster just loaded with experience, how much do you think... the events that happened last year matter to wichita state coming into this year's game is that is that really a motivating factor or no
3: well i absolutely it is and i think uh anybody who's competitive or, or played at a decent level of any sport um know that that is something that can fuel you and motivate you greg marshall is a terrific basketball coach he has uh all uh, an essence of toughness to his teams. They play good defense. Speaking of sharing the ball, they share it well. That experience that you mentioned, four seniors among others, and that team Oklahoma State beat last year. I mean, that was a that was a very good basketball team. And so, I, I promise you, that's in the back of their minds. And I mean, any, any competitor would uh, want to win any game. An opportunity to go to Gallagher-Iba on the road against Oklahoma State is is a um, something fun as a Competitor that you would like in itself, but I think I think there's no question, Dave. You throw in last year. I mean, Oklahoma State is going to have to be ready because they're really good. And um, I talked to a coach within the Big 12 conference that has seen them and felt like they were, were final four good. And I think it's because of the experience, the ability to defend, um, the sharing of the basketball, and multiple guys that can score. So it'll be it'll be a really tough test for Oklahoma State.
1: Well, the numbers don't lie as far as Wichita State is concerned. They lead the nation in rebounding margin. They're in the top 20 in the country in both offensive and defensive efficiency, and they've beaten some pretty good teams. I mean, they beat Marquette. They won at Baylor on the road last Saturday, even more impressively. And if they don't have just 19 seconds of nightmare at the end of the championship game in the Maui Invitational they're undefeated because they really should have beaten Notre Dame in that championship game, ended up losing 67-66. to 66. So the numbers are all very good uh, in, in a number of different areas for Wichita State, and we've already spoken about their seniors and how experienced they are. Kind of a, a loaded question here. I hope you don't mind a- answering this. What warts or problems do the Cowboys have, even in their 7-1 and one start, that will be most important for them to either ca- camouflage or resolve if they're going to have a chance to beat Wichita State?
3: Well, I, I think, number one, defensively, um, you know, Mike Boynton really wants to pressure out on the perimeter. And they are help-oriented. I, Dave, you know this better than me. It seems like they've taken around 15 charges, 16 charges so far this season. So they're trying to be help-oriented and look for opportunities to do so. But when you get out and pressure, you've got to be careful with veteran guards and guys that know how to play, a team where the ball moves, um, you know, it shifts your defense and allows opportunities uh, to drive. And as a team, Wichita State, that doesn't turn it over a lot, I think that's something that you've got to be careful with. I just, I'm just, a big believer, no matter what kind of defense you run, giving up dribble containment, and it really it puts pressure on your team, forces help situations, and good teams you know, usually find a – a good shot out of there. So I think defensively, that's good. And then on the offensive end, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you've got to find ways to still get the ball to move against Wichita State. And the Oklahoma State point guard, late in shot clock situations, um, if they go into some kind of ball screening game or, or whatever, set inside 10 seconds. Because there'll be some of that with, with Wichita State, because they're good defensively. Um, Brandon Averett, Kendall Smith – can't wait too late to get into it because one thing, even though they've, they've got off the 7-1 start, they have played teams, many that they should beat, and there's been instances where those guys have began that process late, and it really forces you in an even tougher situation against a team like Wichita State who's going to be really sound defensively.
1: Well, Brendan, looking forward to it. These two big games coming up and expecting a big crowd at Gallagher-Iba on Saturday to cheer on the Cowboys. They'll need the home court advantage the crowd to act as the sixth man, as Coach Sutton used to say, against a very experienced Wichita State team that is probably a little riled up after what happened last year. But I know you are looking forward to this, and so am I. We'll find out where we stand here these next two games.
3: Absolutely. Dave, hey, I was enjoying visiting with you.
1: That's Brendan Manzer, Big 12 basketball analyst with us and former Cowboy guard. Cowboys at Wichita State coming up on Saturday in Gallagher Eyeball Arena. A couple of ticket offers we want to share with you. Number one, you can get tickets for both the women's game against UCLA, which is a huge game in and of itself, coming up Friday night in Gallagher Eyeball Arena. And for the 3 o'clock men's game on Saturday against Wichita State, $15 for both, $15 for tickets for both games. It's a heck of a deal, and we encourage you to take advantage of that. So that's that's a fantastic uh, a fantastic opportunity. Also, on Friday at the UCLA women's game, a student will win two courtside seats for the Wichita State men's game the following day, and they're giving out free T-shirts at both the men's and women's games to OSU students Friday and Saturday. So you'll want to take advantage of that as well. But, uh, boy, what a one-two punch we've got coming up friday and saturday with the women against ucla ucla ranked seventh in the country and the men taking on the number six wichita state shockers in gallagher arena saturday at three thanks to brendan manser and robert allen for joining us we'll talk to you this weekend this has been the cowboy radio network insider have a great weekend this has been the oklahoma state cowboy insider the preceding has been a learfield presentation